I scooped ice cream. And while in those jobs, of course, you know, I'm like, this can't be it. You know, I know there's more, but God was developing me into being somebody who completely understood customer service, who completely understood how to or was preparing me to actually run the business because, you know, in my role um, at the advertising agency, I was an executive assistant. I was an office manager. So here I am, even though it was like, okay, you know, I know there's more here. Great day. Great day. You are listening to the Jerisha Said Podcast. Having the courage to start your own business and actually sell your consulting services online can be tough. Look, it may not be easy, but it can be simple. In each episode, we take a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain a solid understanding of what's required to serve your clients, sell your services, and scale your consulting business online. All you have to do is listen to what Jerisha said. So if you are ready for a transparent, I'm talking all the way real, edge snatching strategies, grab your castor oil and keep listening. I am your host, former engineer, turned online high-ticket sales coach, Jerisha Hawk. You decided to listen to today's episode for a reason. Call it divine alignment or intentional selection, but either way, you're here because you want to sustainably surpass six figures in your coaching business, but maybe you haven't figured out how exactly to do that yet. You're ready to structure your business model so you can earn more than $200,000 a year working less than five client hours per week. Yeah, that's available to you. You're ready to stop the constant hunt for clients and you want a lean launch approach to generating consistent sales month after month. You actually care about your clients and love to watch them win, but you don't know how to over deliver without undercharging. You've got the fruit, but you don't know how to squeeze the juice. And that's why this episode today is brought to you by my hybrid coaching program, Leverage. If you want to scale your one-on-one coaching business without taking a pay cut by launching a high-ticket group coaching program, I encourage you to book a call with our Leverage strategist to develop your custom roadmap today by visiting jerishahawk.com backslash leverage. After you book your call, you'll complete an in-depth business assessment helping you identify the specific gaps in your business that are holding you back from sustainably surpassing six figures in the next 12 months. No more guessing what the problem is. This business assessment will tell you exactly where you need to focus. Do not waste another minute. You're literally leaving thousands of dollars on the table. Book your call with our leverage strategist today to get your assessment score. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash leverage to book your call. Hey, hey, so if you are a creative business owner, a photographer, a copywriter, um, or just maybe somebody who generates income through visual representation with done-for-you in-person services, you're really going to want to tune into this episode. I think a lot of the time as a photographer or as a creative business owner, um, when you think about what is required for you to generate money in your business, it is directly, typically tied to your time to produce the craft that people pay you for. And I'm excited to bring this guest expert to you. Her name is Mecca Gamble. She is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and she's sharing all the behind the scenes of the decisions that she's made to be able to grow her photography business beyond six figures by um, introducing 
a coaching program to help be able to share her expertise and to grow her photography business without just shooting more clients. So over the last eight years, Mecca has made a name for herself by photographing well-known brands, influencers, and having her work published by popular mediums such as Essence, Upscale, Exo Nicole, and The Knot. Mecca Gamble creates images for personal brands that help them tell their stories and visually communicate their expertise. Her bold personality, style, and work ethic has allowed her to stand out in her industry and shoot nationwide. She also enjoys helping other photographers gain confidence and clarity in their businesses through her coaching platform for the photographer and hosting an annual retreat style workshop, Porter Street, that supports growing photographers with building their business on a solid foundation. Mecca lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband, Quincy. When she's not behind the camera, she enjoys running, reading, and cooking. And I've had the pleasure to meet Mecca probably two or three years ago at this point. Um, we've met, um, at, we've interfaced with each other a few times in person at different events. We both attended the My Taught You retreat together two years in a row. And Mecca is somebody whose work ethic speaks through her actions more than it even does through her words. So it's always just really cool to take you behind the scenes of businesses that you maybe admire or look up to, to hear how they're intentionally and strategically designing their business to be able to grow and overcome some of those capacity constraints that tend to happen when you're in a one-on-one service-based business. So definitely tune in, lean in, turn your earbuds up and keep listening. Hey, y'all. I got the Mecca Gamble with me right now. And I am just so freaking excited to be able to introduce you to our audience, introduce you to this listener who is tuning in right now, has us in their earbuds, um, and to be able to just like document uh, your decision-making criteria and how you've been able to evolve your business model into the successful photography business that you have today. So thank you so, so, so much for joining me today, Mecca. I'm honored to be here. Absolutely honored. And I really appreciate you for taking the time to, to reach out to me for me to be here. Yes. Well, I know we met a, a few years ago now, I, I think it is, which is like crazy how time is passing. And you've been in business with photography for eight years. I know that you didn't have like a formal background education in photography and more of like self-taught, self-study. Um, and one of the things that I thought was just really interesting is that your dog was your first subject when you started to get better at your craft. And so I kind of want to, there's tons of interviews and episodes out there about like how you grew your business. Um, but I want to talk, kind of go back to the beginning of like, why was your dog your first subject? And like, when did you decide that, okay, I have this maybe passion for photography that like, like when, like, what was that kind of like the defining moment or what was that thought process when you actually decided to say, I'm going to put a price tag on this and start to like, take this seriously beyond just it being a hobby? So this is a topic that, you know, sometimes I get to go really in depth about, but my photography business was birthed out of a really tough time Mm -hmm. in my life. I was battling with depression. I had just moved back home to live with my parents, uh, probably right before my senior year of college. I'm a six-year undergrad girl, but right before my, my senior year of college, I had moved back home to Um, just have some normalcy again, just because I was having a hard time um, emotionally. And I remember one of my prayers was, I would pray that I just got, give me something to love. Because I was a journalism major, turned advertising major, turned print journalism major, turned, I think, you know, even at one time, I probably had like a, I was studying psychology, just because I didn't know what it was that I was supposed to be doing. 
And my prayer was, God, just give me something to love. And that's when I got into YouTube. That's when I started my blog and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, had bought a DSLR camera for me for my blog. It was called Mechanisms. And I would take pictures of everything from the makeup I was wearing to the dog, my dog, Moose, um, and to my friends. And so one day, a friend of mine and I, we actually had went out for a walk downtown and I took pictures of her. And then I came back home. I looked at the pictures. I edited them and I said, this is what I'm going to do. I had never felt that type of joy before. Wow. Okay. So like, so eight years ago, you got this camera, you're experiencing this joy. Like what were some of the mindset barriers or the limitations that maybe you were like internalizing when it came to formalizing an actual package and putting a price tag? Like what was your very first paid offer? How, like, how did you get your very first paid client? Like, what did that person pay you? Like, take us back to that first paid moment. So whenever I started my business, Instagram kind of had started to come out on the scene. So of course people were sharing pictures. So I started sharing some of the pictures that I was taking and people began reaching out to me. And so immediately I started a business. I had no business experience. I had no idea what I was doing. So I was taking like $50 to go shoot events and to go do portrait sessions. And I was doing a ton of things for free, but immediately I realized, wait, I could make money from doing this. So my only goal was to pay off my, begin paying off my student loan debt. And within months of starting uh, photography and posting my photography on Instagram, and this is 2012 at this point, I started posting my work on Instagram. People started reaching out to me and I didn't have a job at the time. I didn't have something to really support my income. And so in between working with a temp agency and and taking pictures on the side, you know, I was able to make some sort of income and some sort of living just to sustain But then I finally got a job with an advertising agency um, as somebody who was working as an executive assistant. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to take this seriously because now I was surrounded by creative work all the time. And so I was surrounded by all of these creatives and I decided that, okay, I'm really going to create some sort of structure and some sort of package. Now, with my basic understanding, I understood, you know, profit and loss. I understood that I needed to actually make money from this. Was I charging enough? No, but I, I, under, I understood that, you know, the amount of work that I put into it needs to have some sort of profit at the end. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, I think a lot of times listeners may be, and I think it's kind of common in the online space of like, quit your job, go full-time in a business. And I love the fact that you've mentioned how you took maybe strategic job opportunities to actually develop your craft and just develop your understanding of just like the creative business world and maybe like what was required to lay some of those foundations. So like how, I mean, I know you said like you were able to, you got the job and that really helped uh, inform the decision for you to really commit to the business, but how were you able to actually leverage your corporate experience to develop more of the boundaries and the structures and just your mindset around actually growing your creative business? Well, it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta. So the advertising agency moved me to a similar position um, in Atlanta and I wasn't making enough money. It was my first time living on my own and I still needed to have some additional income just to make it by every single month. And Mm so that's when I said, okay, God, I am really going to be serious about this and go forward. I also didn't really understand in my mind at the time that I could actually do this full time. So it was kind of like I was proving something to myself because 
I come from a world where, you know, photographers, artists, creatives, you don't make money off of that. You know, you have to go be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. So in a sense, I felt like I had to prove everybody wrong because I knew in my heart that this is what I was called to do. And this is something that I really wanted to make my career. So I worked really, really hard on the back end um, as a marketer consistently posting my work every single day and building relationships or at least trying to build relationships with potential clients or vendors in the area so I could get my message out there. There, I just had, I had complete tunnel vision and I knew that if I could put 110% into this, I could turn this into something that I could really be proud of. Yeah. And I think um, one thing I want to tap into here and something that I notice often is people dive into more of like um, like what's the, what, like the healthy balance between developing your craft because you did not have mm-hmm. professional like a educational background in photography, but like t- taking the time to develop your actual skill set to deliver to you know deliver excellence when it came to the actual like photography, the editing, and the deliverables, but also mm-hmm. the work that's required of like building the business, the marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. how did you maybe like um. Like in the very beginning, where did the majority of your focus go? Or just how did you balance, balance that, that, I guess, that spectrum between being able to deliver an amazing service, but also being able to effectively sell that service in the first place? So the service part ironically comes from my years and years of experience of working in customer service. I've been a waitress. I've, you know, the customer service over the phone. I used to work in retail. I've had all of the jobs, like I scooped ice cream. And while in those jobs, of course, you know, I'm like, this can't be it. You know, I know there's more, but God was developing me into being somebody who, completely understood customer service, who completely understood how to, or was preparing me to actually run the business because, you know, in my role um, at the advertising agency, I was an executive assistant. I was an office manager. So here I am, even though it was like, okay, you know, I know there's more here, but I'm in this season learning how to understand systems and workflows. So I took all of my experience with customer service with office management as an executive system. And I I didn't even know it at the time, but I was returning that back into my business and running the business. And even though, of course, I made mistakes and there were things that I really had to hone in on and there were things that I had to learn, um, I really believe that all along I was being developed to run this business and eventually teach other people how to run this as well because there was no blueprint. Yeah. And then when it came to selling, I mean, I know you say you started posting your images on Instagram, but I want to talk a little bit more about like uh, the approach that worked for you and maybe still does. I notice you still do this now. You're very relationship based. Mm -hmm. Um, You're very much like I always say sales, the contact sport. You've always been very intentional with making contact with prospects, engaging in dialogue, having the conversation and nurturing relationships, even if those people may not be direct clients, like immediately, they may come back around three months, six months, a year later. Um, kind of like what is what has been your approach to being able to convert clients in the early days, but also that's kind of like uh, stemmed through to like where you are now that still allows you to maintain a very healthy roster of photography clients. Relationships, like you said, I I am a people person. I believe that people want to do business with people that they know, like, trust. 
understand. They want to know that you're just like them. I mean, because I tell I tell my students all the time, like anybody can go anywhere. Everyone's a photographer. You can find a photographer in any city USA. There are very talented people out there, but people want to do business with other people that they like, that they know. And so building a relationship, having conversations online, taking them offline, you know, really getting to know my, my clients and potential customers. I, I really have built my business from word of mouth, honestly, too. You know, even though I'm posting, so many people have shared my work. So many people have, you know, given my name to a cousin or a family member who might, even though they're not in, you know, need my services, their, their cousin might need my services. So, um, and just even showing up and being appreciative of that or just, you know, sending an email or a telephone call, call or a quick text, text just to say thank you for telling somebody about me really does go a long way when we humanize um, our businesses and our brands. I, I, the, the turnaround isn't immediate, but it does come back around. And how did you like, maybe how do you deal with that? Or is that something you've ever struggled with, like that patience? Because I know I've had clients where it's like, well, I made contact. I thought they'd be ideal. Like they have the money, but they're not buying at this moment. Like, how do you maybe, have you ever struggled with like patience around that? Or like, how has your mindset evolved around, this is an ideal client and a perfect fit, but like, it just hasn't turned, it hasn't converted into a, like a paid opportunity yet. I've always believed that who's for me is for me. Mm. I've, I, I've always believed that who God has for me is for me. I mean, even in my personal life. So, you know, you don't force edges, you don't force pit ponytails, you don't force, you don't want to force your clients either. And, and let's be honest, like we've all had bad clients. And the one thing that I've noticed is like, when you make it about numbers, like when you, when you're forcing it almost to try to meet your, your financial goals or trying to meet a certain quota, it just, sometimes it just, or you're taking on clients because they can pay you, not because they're the right client. I feel like that is a recipe for disaster. And so I've gotten to now um, where, you know, I kind of talk to everybody up front before working them just to make sure that one, we're going to be a good fit for each other, but also two, to, so that they don't, you know, waste their investment. Like, I don't want you to work with me just because you can make the investment. I genuinely want to serve you and to help you grow your business. So let's work together if we are an ideal you know, fit for one another. Yeah. I'm just glad that you brought that up. Cause I know it's something that I think maybe we all wrestle with at points in the journey of growing our business and maybe in those like earlier phases. Um, and the only other thing I want to talk on is I know that when you first got started and you really started getting traction, you were kind of known as like a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. And then that has, evolved. I mean, I know you still do weddings now, but your, I think your expertise and what you're known for, like the branches of your tree have definitely expanded over the years. Um, but how important or were you conscious, was it for you to have that specialized niche in those earlier stages to like really develop a, you know, a consistent cash flow and like a predict more predictable profitability around it? Like, just want to talk about what was that intentional and why did you decide wedding photography in the beginning? So I tell my students all the time to try everything. You're not going to know what it is that you love until you try it it probably took me six years to really call myself a brand photographer. In the beginning, I was shooting everything, including babies. I knew the first or second time I did newborn photos that that wasn't for me. But in the beginning, I had built a relationship 
with a wedding planner um, in Pittsburgh. Like a lot of people don't know I'm originally from Pittsburgh and I had built a, a relationship with the wedding planner there and she gave me my first wedding. And of course me, you know, just wanting to get started. I was like, yeah. Meanwhile, I had never been to a wedding before. I had the only like weddings I had even seen were the ones from TV and movies. And so prior to shooting that wedding, I you know, I did a lot of research. I read the blogs. I studied other um, admirable photographers' uh, work. So I knew what to expect during the day. So the first time I did a wedding, it was like a rush. It was like riding a roller coaster. So you either like riding roller coasters or you don't, but I love the fast paced day. So I said, I want more of that. And so I started really marketing myself as somebody who shoots weddings and events. And then about six years into it, I was making six years, six figures in my business as a wedding photographer, but my, my personal life was very strained because of it, because they were such long days. They were such long hours. I wasn't eating well. I was always on the computer, always on the phone. I was always on the go. And I had no real rhythm in my daily balance with my, my work-life balance. So it got to the point where honestly, I just wasn't happy anymore. And I decided to give up weddings so that I could have a more balanced life. And so early last year, early 2019, I stopped taking weddings um, and I started to get very intentional, like, okay, God, what's next for me? What is it that you're really calling me to do? And that's when I started really focusing more on helping other photographers, you know, meet their goals. And also too, I was like, wait, I I shoot black women all the time. Like, this is what I do. Like, let me begin really understanding, you know, what brands are and helping them visually develop and strategize for their, for theirs. Are you ready to have a service that sells? Are you eager to know what to say in your marketing so that prospects actually get how you can help them? Are you committed to doing what's required to take your coaching business to the next level this year? If so, you're going to love today's sponsor, my premium program, Services That Sell. Listen, running your own business comes with a lot of challenges. Converting clients does not need to be one of them. Creating content using live video will guarantee that you stand out from your competition, and packaging a high-ticket signature service ensures that you attract those high-end clients. You know, the ones who are ready to invest and eager to do the work. I created a masterclass training sharing the proven framework that hundreds of coaches and consultants have used to grow an audience of qualified leads rather than a list of lurkers. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates to register for my next training on how to enroll high ticket clients. Consistently learn the proven strategy in this simple process I teach inside of my premium program, Services That Sell. And let me tell you, it really does work. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates today. Yeah. Thanks for walking us through that. Like I, I think it's, we can, any of us can, uh, if, if you pick a niche, you can get to six figures, whether, and it can mm-hmm. sometimes be like a stressful hustle to get there. And then you kind mm-hmm. of reach this, like, uh, like we were just kind of talking about like the thick girl and pants that are too tight. Like, girl, we got yeah. something's got to give. We're trying to force it. <laughs> this model mm-hmm. has to evolve. And mm-hmm. so you started transitioning into more like lifestyle imagery and also like teaching and coaching through mm-hmm. your, you know, live events that you do, um, mm-hmm. a few times a year. And then also the, uh, intensives that you do for your clients. So mm-hmm. like, when did the, the coaching and the teaching aspect come or was it kind of as after you started pivoting out of weddings, 
Was it like brand photography and then the teaching element came? Like what was the dynamic and how, and how did your prices, well, maybe I'm going to jump before we go into <laughs> that. I want to come back into the money because I think it's, okay. it's a conscious, I think that was a very like conscious conversation you probably had to have with God to be like, listen, mm-hmm. I'm about to let go of weddings where a lot of income is at. How do we start to bridge this gap as I'm evolving the business model so that you know, I, I can still pay my bills and do more than just like get by. How did you start making that transition financially in regards to your price points, how you package your offers um, to be able to like bridge that cash flow gap when you transition? Well, thankfully, I had saved a lot of money whenever I was a wedding photographer. So I, at the beginning of 2018, I had to, taken several months off after even the winter season, because usually in the wintertime, we, we tend to break some because it's cold outside. But even early spring, I had kind of started taking it easy just because I didn't know what was next. And I just needed some time to figure things out. So I had been a, a saver, um, thanks to my husband, who's an aggressive saver. So he taught me, you know, the importance of saving your money. So I was able to take some time off. And from there, I was like, okay, I have this coaching platform. People always ask me questions, you know, in my DMs, you know, they email me, you know, we'll set up calls. But at that time, it was, it was me just kind of each one teach one, you know, it was just me kind of me giving back. Like every penny I was making from it, I was putting it back into the Porter Street workshop or I wasn't really charging enough. So I didn't really understand first and foremost, the importance of, you know, actually I was afraid to make money from coaching. I was afraid to make money from teaching what it was that I knew. I didn't know that was valuable. I didn't know that it was a separate business. So then I I began learning about scaling. um, And then also with the, the brand photography, I began studying branding and personal brands and, you know, figuring out and playing around with collections that people wanted and that people needed. So, you know, it kind of took some time there to really hone in on, you know, what my, my pricing structure was going to be, but I had to figure out a way, you know, with both platforms merged to still, you know, make a living every single day. Yeah. And, and I know that you're, you have four figure, like the least expensive offer that you have is right around that thousand dollar mark. So kind of the thing I'm hearing is that when you transition from wedding into like personal lifestyle or personal brand photography, you still maintain that elevated price point, but it was just some education Mm -hmm. that had to come into play to figure out how to rework Mm -hmm. the packaging. Mm -hmm. And then it sounded like some experience and like, um, just like exposure for you to understand the true value of your teaching capabilities and like coaching other photographers on growing their business. Mm-hmm. So like what now is like the distribution makeup between your time and I guess like cash flow between like the teaching and the coaching versus the photography? Like how has that dynamic shifted? So right now we are still waiting to see those results because it's something that is still very new in my business, but the way um, my financial planners and I are planning it is half and half. So I wanted to learn, I wanted to be able to work less, but be more impactful, make more, and also to have enough time, enough considerable time to serve other people and to help people. So 
coming up, for example, I'm going to be doing an eight-week mastermind with um, a group of photographers who really want to learn and understand how to structure and run their photography businesses. So that's something new that I'm offering and I'm learning how to, I'm going to learn how to scale. But um, as far as the brand photography, I'm honing on that as well with helping personal brands and, you know, really become more visual online because I'm, I feel that people don't know what to say. You know, we just, we market ourselves in such a way that I want, I want, I want personal brands to, I want personal brands to really, what am I looking for here? Oh, that's my train of thought. I really want personal brands to teach other people almost. Like I want them to show others like how, how much value they have and, you know, be able to communicate that, you know, just through pictures as well. Mm, Yeah. So it sounds, which I love that that's what you're transitioning into. And one thing that I'm kind Mm -hmm. of noticing as you're, you're saying all of this is that you never try to reinvent the wheel. It sounds like you did a really good job listening to the demand that currently there. And I know that's something that I've uh, mentioned or either heard or like read, read that you had said that a lot of creatives <clears throat> like believe that low pricing is, uh, you know, low pricing and undercharging is kind of an issue. But that also, I want to talk maybe about your philosophy on pricing and packaging and that mm-hmm. it really needs to be like based on experience, the influx in the marketing regards like to the demand and the actual need and your personal lifestyle goals. Like just what is your thought process on or just your philosophy on pricing as a creative and how that has evolved to be able to, you know, I think maybe like align with where your lifestyle has evolved to at this point as well. In understanding and better understanding my pain points of when I first started, I priced myself according to people that I admired. So if they were charging, you know, X number, I might have been $50 cheaper than that because we based our value as a creative off of like what somebody else was charging. Mm. And instead of actually taking the time to understand what it is that I need to charge based on, you know, what my rent is, what my mortgage is, what I need to, to, I need to bring in to sustain like a healthy lifestyle. So what ended up happening for me is basing my price or my value as a creative off of what other people were charging. I had to, I overworked myself. So say for example, if I was charging a hundred dollars a shoot, I would need to do 10 shoots in order to make a thousand instead of doing one shoot for a thousand dollars, adding a incredible amount of value and only working four times a month. Like who? Mm. So I had to learn how to, I had to learn how to increase my value with my price and not lower my price and take away my value from my clients. Yeah. I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in like mimicking what we see others doing, but sometimes we're mimicking mm-hmm. somebody else's broken business model. And then yes. it's broken in our world. And it's like, well, they're doing it. How is it working? Like, right. we don't know if it's really working for them. And we yeah. definitely know it's not working for us. But what are some of the things? Because I think a lot of the time when, you know, people think creative, they think maybe that they see that finished product, <clears throat> but they don't necessarily mm-hmm. see all of what truly goes into making that finished product look the way that it does. So what mm-hmm. are some of like the maybe two or three things that you did that really have elevated the value that you deliver? that allows you to demand and charge the price points that you currently charge right now, or even maybe the things that you teach your clients on 
Like just what were some of the decisions that you had to make to really maybe for you to have the confidence to sell at that price point, but for also for the receiver to be fully confident in being it like feeling certain that, yep, I understand why I'm paying this. Like what were some of those value adders that or value markers that you've introduced into your packages over the years? So I have always been really big about education. Even from the beginning of my career, I had always invested in coaching, like photography coaching, learning how to shoot better, learning how to run my business better, attending conferences, attending workshops. Like I have learned a lot from other photographers, other business owners. So that's number one. I'm always educating myself so I can always grow. And number two, I make it my business to learn my craft. So now I'm focusing on branding. So I make it my business to read and study brands and marketing. I make it my business to understand posing. I make it my business to to pay attention to um, what influencers are doing because that is the way people are appearing right now in popular social content. So I make it my business to be constantly studying so that I can then go in teach and educate um, my clients with with strategy you know we 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 are taking these pictures for a reason so I want it to make sense for them and their business and I also do a, a considerable amount of studying who they are or studying their business or understanding so for example if someone is a lawyer I, I need to know who her audience is um, and who it is that she wants to be and what her goals are. So we take the time to really strategize and do a, a considerable amount of planning before we just go outside to shoot. Yeah, thanks for that breakdown. Because I think regardless of which industry you're in, especially if you're a creative, that it's important that you're not just, it just like that you're looking at it from a holistic perspective. And like that, adding value doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, quote unquote, give more time. How can you make the best use of the time that you have with your client for that shoot? Like you show up, it's like, Jay, this is, we've already talked through the, the clothing options, the styling, we've worked through your poses. Like we've already kind of anticipated how these images are going to be used. It's not Mm -hmm. that, oh, I have to be with this person for 15 hours for us to see success, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like there was, um, that proper preparation is really what allows for that, that external output to be at that level of excellence that you consistently deliver. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess maybe let's talk about where you are now. Like what are some of the, um, the CEO decisions, um, that you're making now to be able to like one, what well, and COVID just hit, like w- the timing of this might be a little bit delayed, but I think as a photographer, what are some strategic things that you've had to put in place to be able to withstand whatever's going on externally? Um, if events shut down or if, like, how have you been able to kind of successfully transition through this? Or are you like, what are you still trying to figure out in regards to how to transition through, you know, external circumstances that might um, bottleneck or, you know, limit the business model as it currently exists? That's a great question. Um, as I mentioned before, saving money, saving your money is key. And so when building your offers or building your collections or packages, it's important that a portion of that is saved so that, you know, God forbid something like this happens again, you have something to make it through each month. So saving is definitely key. But one of the big things that I learned through the last several months is that having an offer that's digital is always helpful as well. So what I do, you know, I'm always going outside to, to, to go and work and we couldn't do that. And, I'm, and I was in the house going crazy, like, okay, I have to teach. I have to do something. I have to shoot. 
And so thankfully I was able to quickly develop online education and, you know, we just met through Zooms and had, you know, intensives that way. But moving forward, I'd really like to develop some sort of online platform or course that can sell itself. And then that way, you know, I could still serve other people, even though, you know, I can't be there physically. Yeah. So it sounds like as the business is growing, um, well, one thing, I know you keep saying saving, but I think the other thing for people to recognize is that you understood what a healthy profit margin looks like in your business Mm -hmm. and making Mm -hmm. sure that you're effective, like you said, effectively pricing so that there is money left over after your salary, after expenses, after team, after taxes to still have money Mm -hmm. set aside. And then, like you said, stepping into coaching or uh, just like online education as a way to diversify like the capacity constraints that kind of can be presented just regardless of what's going on externally. So I think, I mean, this was like super, super fruitful and kind of like like maybe a wrap up question that I'm curious about. And that I think our listeners would be curious about, like, is there, I mean, I know um, one of your, your favorite scriptures, which is something that I really resonate with too. I'm going to share this for a second because you've mentioned how God has played such an active role in your life and in your business numerous times over throughout this conversation. And it's something that I've recognized is you do a really effective job praying before you pursue. Uh, well, I guess my question is, how have you been able to exercise a level of obedience that's required to align with what God has called you to do? Because I think it's, you know, we're quick to like jump to a scripture. We're quick to like do bedside Baptist, you know, with what's going on right now. But like when God is like, this is the path and this is where I need you to go, from a flesh perspective, there's a level of like discipline, discipline and obedience that's required that typically it's outside of our comfort zones to be in alignment with what he's called us to do. Just any, I'd just be really curious to know how you've been able to like exercise that, um, especially when external circumstances or current circumstances may give you evidence to believe that like this isn't the way it's supposed to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I completely understand. That was like a heavy question, but we've talked about it a few times. (laughs) Just curious about either what what advice have, what has worked for you or just like how have you had the fortitude to like withstand during some of those moments? Or is there a specific experience that, uh, or a story that you can tell that might elaborate on how somebody who might be struggling through this and have the same, um, like I think commitment to faith as, as you've expressed, like might be able to work through things like that. So there's this one quote, and I and I don't remember where I heard it from, but um, it, I repeat it to myself all the time. And it's the more I learn about this world, the closer I want to be to God. Especially with everything that's going on now, it's easy to turn on your television or get in your phone and go in a spiral. And the spiral part of it, like you don't even recognize that you're spiraling till you kind of like say, wait a minute, I'm not feeling okay. Like I'm not doing okay right now. And it's a constant, it's a constant daily fight. Like every single day you have to, I believe you have to get up and you have to put on your armor. And for me, my armor is, you know, my feet touching the floor, saying, thank you, God, drinking my water, taking a moment to just really um, cover myself cover my family, cover my friends and ask God how he's going to use me every single day. I read in a book one day, transformation can only take place when our minds come to the understanding that we need God. 
And when we recognize that we need him, when we kind of tap in or lean into what he's called us to do and who he's called us to serve, things kind of start operating from a place of, okay, this is, this is just what I do. It, it doesn't make it easier because don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's an everyday fight. Like being obedient is still (laughs) a, a hard thing for me. Being disciplined is still a very hard thing. Like it's just doing something hard, you know, um, but we have to do it every single day because that's what stretches us and that's what grows us. So, you know, it's important that whatever you believe in, that you cling and tap into something that keeps you going or else, you know, I find my, I find my joy in, in praising God. I find my joy in, in worshiping God. I find my joy in just having a peace, you know, that the world can't give me and the world can't take away. So that's where I find my, my discipline to keep going every single day, if that yeah. makes sense. Totally makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, yes, we can like challenges can present themselves or it's like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming when that pivotal moment for you is like, okay, I'm making six figures, but my lifestyle is not like, I'm not happy with how I'm spending my time or like where mm-hmm. my energy is going. You know, there's probably this internal conflict of like, I, and maybe there's a moment of like a battle and then you start praying and then it's like, okay, this is what's requ- like doing what's required and operating in obedience is the thing that allows you to transition, but it's normally probably never easy. <laughs> so yeah, like what's the, what's the point of making money if you're not happy? You know? ex- mm-hmm. what, what's the point? You know, you really have to, I believe that life is abundant. I believe that, you know, we are supposed to make money and experience, have experiences and go places and buy things, but we're supposed to also have peace that, that comes along with that too. And so, you know, as long as you are allowing God to use you, as long as you are serving others, as long as you are doing what, you know, you're called to do and being obedient to, you know, that's the hard part again for us. to what God told you to do. I believe that joy and happiness will find itself there with you too. 100%. And extend each other grace. Like let, let's, let's continue to send, extend grace to one another. Oh, Mecca, you were, this was so good. Um, so if somebody is like completely girl crushing or like fangirling over <laughs> you right now, um, where is the best place for them to just get connected and hear more from you? I am totally an Instagram girl. So on Instagram at Mecca Gamble, M-E-C-C-A-G-A-M-B-L-E, or on my website at MeccaGamble.com. Awesome sauce. Well, all of her links will be in the show notes too, just in case you um, want it to be easy for you to be able to find her. But Mecca, just thanks for the transparency and like the level of depth that we were able to go to just from like the behind the scenes of how you've been able, like some of the decisions that you've made to get your business to where it is today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey there, Hawk Hustler. Thanks for subscribing and listening today. If you're at capacity with one-on-one clients and you want to sustainably surpass six figures by introducing a high-ticket group coaching program to your business, visit www.jerishahawk.com backslash leverage to book a leverage strategy call with our specialist. Within 40 minutes, you'll complete a targeted business assessment, helping you identify exactly where the gaps exist in your current business that's keeping you from building the multi-six-figure business you know that you're capable of. This assessment will give you insight on how you can scale without diluting your client experience along the way. Book a call with our leverage strategist today 
at jerishahawk.com backslash leverage.